Savior Jesus Christ. It's good to be here gathered on a Wednesday. I don't know how it is for you, but it always seems like Wednesdays can be worse than a Monday. It seems like the devil always wants to get on our case and make the service uh, be rotten, but we know that our God is greater and he's going to come through for us. And if you're kind of dragging in and not feeling too good tonight, well, you've got company. I didn't have such a great day, but I just wanted to praise the Lord tonight regardless. So I want to start by singing, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Amen. Why don't we stand together? I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will
Lord knows all of your burdens and he also knows what the remedy is. He knows what you need in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul. We're just thankful to him. I just, Brother Jean Manassi, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you to come and pray. We do have a number of prayer requests this evening. We have a prayer request from uh, Sister Joni's Wilson asking for healing. And we have one from Sister Rena, Sister Esther asking the congregation to remember their neighbor. His name is Tyler. His kidneys are failing. He's a, a young couple with a four-year-old. He loves the Lord. has been very good to both Sister Rena and Sister Esther, so we want to hold them up. Um, we also have a need in, in my personal family. My wife's uh, grandmother passed away this week, so she'll be going to the funeral in Edmonton, and there'll be some representation of the message there, so we always like to think about the unsaved and the opportunities, so we want to pray that God would be with her. And we also want to remember our brother Tom. He's fighting the good fight, and if he's watching, we love you, brother Tom, and we sure appreciate you, and we want to continue to raise him up, that God would be merciful and mindful to him, like he has been for so many times and situations. And I also, um, as you come, brother John, I'll just have a testimony from Sister Grace Beatty. She would like to report that her brother Paul has been declared in remission. The scans show that all the cancer is gone. The family would like to thank everyone for their prayers and thank the Lord for his mercy. They are looking forward to the finished work of salvation in Paul's life. Amen. Amen. We sure appreciate that. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, once again, it's a privilege to come into your house tonight, Lord. Lord, just sitting in the pew, I was thinking all these words, Lord. I think it believes the song that says, I do not know what others do. Those who don't go to Calvary as often as I do. Lord, in this world, Father, if we didn't have you, Lord, how would we even cope, Father, with the pressures of life, Lord, and what's going on in the world right now, Father? But we have a place where we can lay off the pressure, Lord. We have a God we can turn to when we're in need, Lord Jesus. Others don't know how to cope with mental pressure, with the cares of life, with situations at work or in their families or health, Lord. But the believer has a hidden place, Lord. He can turn his eyes to Calvary. Lord, tonight we've come into your house, Lord, because you've provided a way for us, Lord, to come to you. To lay down all our burdens, Lord Jesus. Many are the burdens of the believers, Lord, but you are the one who can bear them all for us, Lord Jesus. You've said, come to me, all you that hunger and thirst and that labor, and I will give you rest. Lord, we've come to you tonight, Lord, with many needs, Father. Lord, we're thinking about Brother Tom tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, what he means to us, Lord, you know, Father, and how much he's been a blessing to me personally, Lord Jesus. And every time I think about him, I just pray, oh God, would you touch your servant, Father, who has given his life completely to you and served you so faithfully all these years, Lord Jesus. Nothing is too hard for you to do, Lord. There's absolutely nothing that we can present to you that you wouldn't know what to do with, Lord. You are the one who is in charge of every single circumstance and situation, every single bone and, and nerve in his body and cell you've created and you know what to touch and where to touch, Lord Jesus. Lord, we lift him up into your presence tonight, Father. May your hand of mercy be upon him, Lord, and strengthen your servant for your glory, Lord Jesus. That he might stand so faithfully beyond this pulpit once again to declare your word to us, Lord Jesus. 
Father, for the other needs that have been mentioned, Lord, you are the healer, Father. For everybody who is sick tonight, Father, I believe that you can heal. Anybody who needs a touch from you to be delivered, Father. Why else did you die for, in Calvary for, Lord Jesus? What else was your blood shed, Father, if it wasn't for us to receive healing and deliverance and salvation, Lord? And tonight, Calvary is not in vain, Lord. That sacrifice was not in vain, Lord Jesus. And there's still a fresh, bleeding word and bleeding lamb tonight. Father, you're still the high priest who can be touched, Lord Jesus. Provide comfort, Lord, for the hearts that need it, Lord. Tonight we've come to feed upon your word, Lord Jesus. You know our needs, Father. You know what we're lacking, Father. You know what we need correction, what we need strengthening, what we need to be rebuked, Father. With open hearts, we've come to your table and say, feed us tonight, Lord. Take your servant, put him aside, and speak to us words of eternal life, Father. My desire, Lord, is for me to leave this place a changed man, Father. Draw me closer to you, Lord Jesus. Removing me anything that you don't like, Father. When I lay in your presence, Father, you are the surgeon, Father. Look into our lives, in our soul, in our spirit, in our mind, in our attitude. Anything that you don't like, that's not Christ-like. Take it away from us, Lord. We want to resemble you and please you and you alone, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Everybody, if you just have your seats, please. Let's uh, turn to 846. This is just what heaven means to me. I want to give a special greeting to our streaming audience and our, our brothers and sisters in the States. God bless you. And we also have uh, uh, see a few faces in the, in the congregation or some visitors, so we want to welcome you. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Also want to uh, just announce that it's long weekend coming up, so we will only have one service on Sunday morning. There will be no evening service. And are we able to get that screen working? That would be very helpful. All right, let's start with verse 1. A country where no twilight shadows
sing it. Amen. Let's sing the steadfast love of the Lord. The steadfast love
sing those last two lines. source of all light and life we confess Lord we need you now we're in a later hour than we've ever lived in we need you now more than ever before time has got on the hour is late the world has entered into great darkness but Lord you've reserved a little bit of light for your bride oh Lord Let that light shine upon us tonight. We want to have a personal experience with you, Lord. We don't want a church experience. We don't want, Lord, a a theological experience. Lord, we want you to be very personal to each and every one, Lord. Just a word from you, just a phrase from you will change a life. Just a, a word, a single word will deliver the captives, oh God. Like when you spoke to the man at the Gadarenes and those demons, they were tormenting him, but you just said, go. And they had to go, Lord. Oh, Father, may you just speak a word tonight to those that are in need. And indeed, all of us, Lord, need more of you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time we could be together, remembering all that are not with us, Lord. And there are many because of the hour we're living in. But we pray, Father that you'll just take complete control tonight. Send your spirit into every place. Lord, that people are gathered around your word tonight. May you just have the preeminence, we pray. As we read your word, anoint it afresh. Lord, anoint our understanding. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, musicians. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to see everybody that can make it in tonight. Has the Lord been good to you? Amen. Amen. It's wonderful to be a Christian. Wonderful to be a believer in this hour. If you ever doubted how wonderful it is to be a believer, the circumstances of this hour ought to remind you of that. Amen. We thank God for all of His goodness to us. We want to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 16 uh, together. Just uh, want to take a, a little thought tonight, and uh, I say little, maybe we won't even be an hour, we'll see, but uh, just look at the Word of God and, and see a little something. I titled it tonight, The Full Blessing, The Full Blessing, and it was just a, it's just a thought, and uh, I trust that the Lord will make it as real to you as it is to to myself or anybody else. And, uh, and I want to welcome everybody that's here. Amen. God bless you. Uh, visitors, I think there's visitors here. God bless you. Each and every one, you are welcome. And may the word of God speak to you. Second Samuel chapter 16 and verse 5. And when David came to Bahurim, behold, 
Thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Now, if you if you have read the scripture, you'll recognize that this is when David was being driven out of Jerusalem as his son Absalom was taking the throne. And he says, and, the, and it says in verse 7, And thus said Shimei, when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. The Lord has returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Now, before I continue on, I just want to say this man was harboring a lot of bitterness. He was of the house of Saul. He had no doubt thought about David a lot and thought about how the course of his life changed because he was of the house of Saul. When Saul was king, he was no doubt a privileged citizen. But now that turned and the kingdom went to David. And so Shimei became not very much in the kingdom. And now he, all of this bitterness, this was now an opportunity for all of this bitterness to come out. And then said Abishai the son of Zariah unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son which came forth out of my bowels seeketh my life. How much more may, how much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone and let him curse for the Lord hath bidden it. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones and cast dust. And the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. I don't know what your experience is in life, most of you. I don't know your personal testimonies. I don't know... How you came to walk in the light of the hour. Uh, I know this song leader sitting at the front here. I know where he came from because he came in in Grand Prairie. He was a Mormon. And uh, uh, you may not know that. We don't hold that against him. God can even get a hold of Mormons. And, uh, you know, so uh, each one of us come from a different background. And we come from a different experience. But I can I can certainly testify to my experience, from my personal experience, I can say I've never viewed the message of the hour in a negative light. I have never viewed it as a negative thing. From my personal experience of deliverance from so, from so much worldly bondage, 
Uh, I can talk about the restoration of my marriage as God brought that about under the light of the hour. I can talk about the proper atmosphere of love in the home and, and different things that had taken place. And I could go on and on and on in a, in a personal testimony. But it was not about a particular thing that caught me in the message. So there was maybe one thing that grabbed my attention. But it wasn't about necessarily a promise of this. Or a promise of that. When I came into the message, I never came with a view, maybe this will help my marriage. Or with a view that maybe this will deliver me from the worldliness. Even though I was raised in the Pentecostal church all my life. My grandfather, my uncles are ministers. All of those kind of things. That never attracted me to the message of the hour. But what attracted me to the message of the hour was, this is truth. That's what grabbed my attention more than anything else. And, and, and to me, that was a great positive. It didn't matter what else uh, came with it. It didn't matter as Jesus talks about, you know, uh, persecution. And Jesus talks about uh, the suffering. And Jesus talks about the different things that a believer would go through. That didn't matter to me. That didn't matter to me that it was evil spoken of. That didn't matter to me. It didn't matter to me that that everybody has their opinion about it. That didn't matter to me. What mattered to me was the truth. What mattered to me, and and that became very much a positive. And as I began to think about this, I began to realize that the message in every hour is a positive to the believer. I could go back to Elijah's time in the scripture and how that Elijah, as he preached to Ahab and Jezebel, to them he was an old crank. All right? But to the 7,000 that had not bowed their knee to Baal, that were still in Israel, I'm sure whenever they heard of Elijah's preaching, they just said, Amen. That's the truth. That's exactly right. We stand behind that. It wasn't that they were well liked in the kingdom either because Ahab and Jezebel with her Jezebel religion had taken over the kingdom and had killed the prophets of God and had killed the servants of God until some of them had to be even hidden in Israel at that time. But yet in the midst of all of that, how that, how that God was bringing a truth out or God was bringing his light to the word in that hour. When Israel was coming into the promised land, when they came out of Egypt and they were come to Kadesh Barnea and the 12 spies went over and they came back with the report. When the 12 spies came back, we know that there were 10 that brought a negative twist to the message. You know, the message was Moses brought the message. It was God has ordained this hour for you to come out of Egypt And we are going to go and possess the land that he promised to Abraham. As he said to Abraham, look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. And so now is the hour. That's the message. We're going to possess the inheritance. And so as they went into the land to view the inheritance, and they brought back the grapes, and they brought back, you know, the good things of the land. How that there were ten of the spices, it's a good land? That's true. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. That's true. But there's giants in the land. There's great walled cities in the land. And it's going to cost us a lot. 
Maybe we'll lose our wives. Maybe our children will fall a prey. They begin to look at the message as a negative message. There's, there's too much battle in this. There's too much warfare in this. There's too much struggle in this. But to Joshua and Caleb, they never thought of that at all. They thought of it as, as Paul said in Romans chapter 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. It doesn't matter what, what they are or what they have. The message of this hour is bringing us in to possess the land. I'm sure, I'm sure when Joshua and Caleb stood there, and then you can read the account in the scripture in the book of Numbers, I think it's chapter 14 or so, and as they stood there and the, and the people and the ten spies began to relate this, I'm sure they were shocked in their hearts. Because these were the princes of Israel. They were shocked within their hearts and thought, what are you saying? What do you mean we can't do it? We can do it. What do you mean we're not able? We're able. Because God is with us. And if God has ordained it, we're more than able to possess the land. That's all they saw was the positiveness of it. They looked at what they stood to gain, not what they stood to lose. I was thinking of Jonah, how that he was in the, the, the belly of the fish. We call it a whale, but it was a prepared fish. And there was Jonah down in the middle of the ocean. And, you know, we know the story of Jonah, how that... You know, he ended up there because he was a uh, man running from the presence of God. And so here he is down in the, in the, uh, submersed in the Mediterranean, I think. And, and there he was down there. And as he was down there in the fish, as long as Jonah looked at his condition, there was no hope. But, even Jonah himself said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. Or they that pay attention to the circumstances that they find themselves in will never see what they need to see. Can I say it that way? So Jonah said, I turn myself to the temple. Because Solomon had prayed a prayer. It says, if your people, which are called by my name, by thy name, if they find themselves in trouble or distress from somewhere, he says, if they turn towards this temple and they repent of their sins and they seek your face, then may you hear from heaven and turn their circumstances. Amen. And so Jonah had respect to the prayer of Solomon, recognizing that it was inspired of God. And he looked beyond the fish. Now, you couldn't say that Jonah literally saw the temple, though he was a prophet. But Jonah in the spirit, Jonah in his mind, Jonah in his attitude, Jonah with everything that he had, say, I reject Every ounce of this fish that I'm in. Come on. I reject it all. I look beyond that. I look to the temple. There's a temple in Israel. And God said if I look there. And I pray. And I repent that he will hear me. So even though I'm deep down in the ocean here. God will hear me. I reject every every bit of water that's above me. I reject the fact that there's no oxygen for me to breathe in that water. The fish could breathe it and obviously was supplying Jonah with it. But yet in the midst of all that, Jonah said, I reject it all. I renounce it all. Now you might say, Jonah, come on. 
Jonah, look at the doctor said you're in the fish. The doctor said, we'll show you the diagnosis and the test. The fish is real. You understand what I'm saying? You can absolutely have every, you can go get your COVID test. You can have whatever test, your cancer test, your this test, your that test. And every test can say, you got this. But what are you looking at? What have you got your eyes on? What are, what are you focused into? Because to Jonah, the God, you know, I, I was just thinking about the negativity side of things. And I was thinking, Jonah wasn't in the fish's, in the, the, the fish's stomach saying, you know, I've given everything for this message. I don't understand why I'm in the shape I'm in. I believe this message. I, I left my family. I left my loved ones. I, I'd done this. I'd done that. I served God. And now this is all he's going to do for me. Here I am in the ocean. And, and this is all that God has for me. Well, if that's the way God's going to be. No, Jonah wasn't like that. He looked at the positiveness or the blessings. For forgetting not the mercies of the Lord. Forsake not all his benefits. I'm the God that heals all your sicknesses and diseases. I'm the God that saves you. I'm the God that delivers you. I think of Moses when he was on the backside of the desert. He had his little business there, sheep shepherding and uh, taking care of sheep. He was in business with his family, his father-in-law. He had his new culture that he was a part of and, and he was looking at all of those things. But, you know, that didn't satisfy because that wasn't what he was called to be. And even as successful as he might have been, and maybe he was very successful at what he was doing, it's not success that satisfies. And if people would just realize that, we'd be further ahead. It's not worldly success that satisfies. You could have your big bank account. You could have your nice house. You can have your nice car. If you're out of place, you'll never be satisfied. And there was Moses there on the backside of the desert. And after 40 years, got himself all beat out of all his Egyptian learning and everything else. Finally, God spoke to him at the, at the burning bush and says, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. I've come down to deliver them. And I'm sending you to do the job. And Moses had all of his reasons why he couldn't do it. But yet in the midst of all, he couldn't look at that. He had to look to that voice and say, what that voice told me is exactly the truth. When he was down there in the presence of Pharaoh, he had had an experience with God. He knew that it was real and that it was genuine. And he didn't, he wasn't down there thinking, oh, how did I get myself into this? What am I doing here? No, God had put him there and he believed he left his family. He left his culture and he heard and believed what the voice was speaking to him at that moment. It wasn't the teaching of his mother from 40 years ago, though that was laying there for 40 years. So you might, have, you might say it this way, maybe if he had had a Bible, he had read his Bible. But that Bible had become alive. That promise now become a living reality in the form of the person in the burning bush. I am that I am has sent you. And you go down there and do as I tell you and you shall be successful. Nothing else mattered. Amen. Nothing else was important. 
The other disciples, Peter in Matthew chapter 19. Peter says to Jesus, says, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed you. And what shall we have therefore? Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto you that you which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve stones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that has forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Amen. So what Peter was looking at was all that we left. Amen. Lord, we've forsaken so much for this. Lord, what's, what are we going to get out of it? What's in it for us? Jesus said, you don't even understand. You got your eyes on the wrong thing. You're looking at the wrong idea. You're looking at what meager things you had in this world. But I've called you to something that is infinitely higher than that. Sometimes we might struggle with the family thing. Standing alone is not easy. Somebody say amen. I can say amen to that. Sometimes you might be called to be the only believer in your family. But you're called to believe for your family. When Jesus said to the jailer, or when Paul rather said to the jailer, believe for you and your house and they shall be saved. He didn't say believe and get your house to believe. He says you believe. You believe for you and you believe for your house. And they shall all be saved. God's called you to believe. God's called you to be the one that stands for the truth. God's called you to be that one, that Rahab in the whole city of Jericho on the wall there that's willing to stand and say, I will stand for the message of this hour. Everybody's scared of what's going on, but I'll stand for what God's doing. And God will give her a token and God will give you a token and, and God will bring to pass according to your faith. Amen. What if, what if your family didn't have you? Come on. What if your family didn't have you? You say, well, my family's struggling. My family, well, what if they didn't have you? Then how much worse off would they be? How much worse off not having somebody that stood for the truth? Come on, saints. Let's get a backbone here tonight. Let's put our shoulders back and stand for what we are and say, I believe God's word. God has revealed himself to me. God has shown himself to be real. Listen, I've seen God raise the dead. I've seen him heal cancers. I've seen him. I've seen tumors drop off of people. I've seen devils leave people. All of those kind of things. Listen, this is more than just a story. This is more than just a, well, I just, just the way I believe it. No, this is a reality. God is real. It might not be revealed to the next person sitting on the bus beside me. It might not be revealed to the next person in traffic beside me. But it's real to me. And this is what God has made himself known personally in my life. Amen. How many can testify of that tonight? God has made himself personally known to you. 
Because you might be like the jailer. You know, Brother Branham talks about it in the message, Way to Have Fellowship, 1955. I was looking at some of these old quotes here. I don't think they're that old. I think they're just as real today. He says, that's the trouble with man tonight. He says, that's what the trouble with people is tonight is you're scared. He says, that's the biggest curse there is on the full gospel people or any other people is because they are afraid. God has made the provision, but you're afraid to take his word for it. He says, if you wasn't afraid, why you would take your healing by faith and know that God promised it and the thing would just go plumb away from you. How many amens have we got to that tonight? He says, if you're not afraid, I'll read it again. He says, if you wasn't afraid tonight, why you would take your healing by faith and know that God promised it and the thing would just go plumb away from you. And then he says, unless you have... No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, except for you. Or except for this condition. Or except for... No, he says, if you get rid of your fear and just take God at His promise, by faith, He says, the thing will leave you. I don't care what the thing is. Amen? I have I have a whole bunch of quotes. I have a slideshow. I'm not going to put it up. Don't put it up, brothers. I don't know if I'll have time for it tonight. But I just got a whole bunch of quotes that I've accumulated over the years. I believe that as far as divine healing, nobody knew more about it than Brother Branham. And the conditions to produce divine healing, I don't think anybody could approach it better than Brother Branham could approach it. And, and, and so I just accumulated over the years of study some quotes and, and they're just outstanding. And now that you probably aren't going to see them tonight, you're going to say, why aren't we going to see them? But you know, someday we'll get into that. But you know, the, the point is that you got to get rid of your fear and stand by faith. He said, Brother Brown says, I've noticed it. And that's the reason I'm such a believer in healing. I know that if you can get away from that scare and get love in its place, something's going to happen. There's only two faculties that govern a human, and one of them is faith, which brings results, and the other is fear, which has no value in it at all. Fear, which has... Though these sentences are, are so profound in themselves. Fear has no value in it at all. Faith is of God. Fear is of the devil. Fear makes you weary. Fear makes you wander. And if I was going to die in the morning, what good would it do me to get all stewed up about it? What if I was going to be electrocuted in the morning and my life had to end tomorrow morning? What good would it do me to, to worry about it? Well, you say, what good would it do to have faith? Faith can sign my pardon. There's value in faith. Don't be weary. Don't be scared. Don't be upset. Just have faith and believe. And the only way you can have faith, you have to have love first. And love produces faith. All right. So love comes before faith. God so loved the world. We love Him because He first loved us. You know, when you, when, you, when you have the reality of the love that God has for you and you can love Him back, that makes a way for faith because faith comes by hearing the Word. 
All right. So, so it, it allows faith to be in our lives because when you have faith, that conquers all things because it's faith in an eternal promise that's a reality. These, these eternal promises are not philosophies. They are a reality. I was talking to somebody. I was emailing with somebody who uh, who was uh, somebody that had grown up in the message, but wasn't serving God. And so I was I was in an email. I'd got an email from them, and I and they had said something about the message quote. I'll put that in quotes. The message. And I said, I said to them, I says, I need to address this issue of the message. I said, the message doesn't save anyone. I said, it's not a philosophy. It's truth that is only revealed to whom God chooses to reveal it. Amen. Having said that, I said, you either believe in God or you believe that we evolved from some bacteria or fungus or something. I says, but even current discoveries in genetic research by scientists prove that evolution and their proposed timelines of mutations from one species to another are a statistical impossibility. So even science is disproving evolution. Okay, so this, it's not really an issue. So I said, to return to the truth, the fact is, we are all born in sin. Our relationship to God is broken. There is only one way to get rid of sin and take us back to the place that God intended for us before the fall in the Garden of Eden. It's only one way. I said, that way is the sacrifice that was made by Jesus at Calvary. I said, without that, we are all lost. We must accept what Jesus did for us to receive the benefits of the blood that was shed. I said, not just believe that it happened, but you must accept it as personal. The message, then I went back to the thought of the message, the message is this truth fully unpackaged so you and I can understand the benefits of what Jesus did for us. That's the message. That's why in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, all the mysteries of God is finished. Why? What's it saying? The mysteries that lay in the atonement. The value of the atonement. Recognizing the reality and having the correct attitude to the atonement because it's the right attitude towards the atonement that brings the blessings of the atonement to you. We cannot go through life looking at the atonement of Calvary and say, well, I deserve that. You didn't deserve it. That's the wrong attitude. We deserve death. We deserve to die. We deserve sickness. We deserve disease. We deserve troubles. We deserve hardships. But he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of, of, of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes I am healed. 
It's what he did. It's not what I deserve. But if we have the right attitude and humility towards that and accept that as a sinner, come to Jesus Christ. And I believe there's many here that take that attitude. Is that, Lord, I'm your son. Forgive me. I was wrong. I accept the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why Peter on the day of Pentecost said, repent. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and your children, as many as are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. Is to bring our thoughts to the right attitude towards God. You can't go to God with the attitude, God, you owe me. God will let you sit. He will do that. He did it to his prophet. He'll do it to you. God doesn't owe us anything. But we owe him everything. Now in the scripture that we read. Really pondered this. Last day or so. As. David. Here he was. It was. If there ever was a time for people to leave David or forsake David, this, this was the time. If there ever was a negative time in David's life, this was the most negative. As far as a valley, oh, this was a deep, dark one. This was a trial that David did not know what, exactly what the end of it would be. Because David had done wrong. Hello? Do, do we know the same David? David had done wrong. He had committed adultery. And then he murdered the woman's husband. And so that he could marry the woman. And God didn't have to put David out of his position. Because David put himself out of his position. Because the position that God had given him, as long as David obeyed the word, the blessings of God was on him. But as soon as he disobeyed the word, the blessings of God left, which caused the people to lose confidence in David. Now they begin to look elsewhere and see other potentials. All right. So... David had done this now to himself. But remember, he lost his office, not his gift, and not his calling. You can't lose. Gifts and callings are without repentance. You can't lose that. But what he now lost was his position or his office because of his actions and then the people losing confidence on him. And then David's own son turned on him. So to his own son Absalom now literally began to maneuver to take over his father's position. This would not have been successful had David been serving God the way that he ought to have served God. But rather in order to take it in or by taking advantage, Absalom taking advantage of his father's love for him, he began to undermine his father. And now David finds himself on the road out of Jerusalem. He's headed to Mahanaim, actually. If any of you young preachers want to do a study, that's an interesting one. I almost got into it today. Uh, Mahanaim. That's a, that what, ha, what God does in Mahanaim is always very interesting. I'll leave that one there. 
But as he's headed to this city now, he, he's, he's got a few people, a few thousand people that are going with him. The mighty men of valor are with him because they recognized if he was God's anointed before he was king, he's still God's anointed. They, they saw, they had an experience that took them beyond David's mistakes. This is important now, because we all make mistakes. That's why a prophet of God had to remind us, you mustn't look at your mistakes. God knows you're just a man or just a woman. God knows you're going to make mistakes. That's what grace is about. He made allowance for that. But you must look at the promise. You must look at what God has called you to be and your faith in the Word of God. Alright, so now David's got all of this. He's on his road out. One of his great counselors, Ahithophel, I think his name is, turns against him and goes to Absalom and conspires with him. It seemed like all Israel had turned against him. Uh, I wish I was more dramatic like Brother John here. You know, I, I could really emphasize this and Life was miserable. You would, you would say, if a person was of that mindset, give me a gun and I'll end it. Everything that he had built, everything that he had worked for, everything that he was doing was now falling apart. He saw no good thing as far as the human eye could see. And, and, and if anything, he realizes I'm in danger now of being attacked, and that was, would soon come, by the rest of Israel and ending my life and the lives of all the people. And so this now is a very treacherous, dangerous, talk about fear. Talk about uh, potential problems. Talk about symptoms. Talk about troubles. But then David comes to this place. Oh, and this little Shimei fellow comes up and starts cursing him as out of his bitterness. And as he's from the house of Saul, and he begins to hurl insults on him. Why, you're nothing but this and you're nothing but that. See, it's all come back on you now because you're this and you're that. And I told you and I told my family, I told you it didn't come to no good. And it's over for you. Your life is over. Well, I talk about somebody encouraging you in your hardship, huh? You know, sometimes we might think, wow, you know, I, I, did I really deserve that? And David in the midst of this now, he's, he's listening to this and those that are around him feel sorry for David. And say, well, you know, I, you know, I'm going to go take this dog's head off him because I'm able to do it. And there, and, and, uh, was it Abishai is ready. He says, I, I'm just going to go over and end this guy's life. And David says, don't you do it. God told him to do that. Because he can see something in this now. And I want you to catch this now. In the midst of it all, now David recognizes a cycle. Or he recognizes there's valleys, but there's mountains. That even though I'm in this valley, David as much as said it, but I'll say it this way. I hope this man goes too far. Because then God will requite me good for his cursing. See, David recognized something here. If I deserve it, let him curse. But perhaps God will look down on it. Maybe this is the very thing that's going to turn the tide in my life. 
Hello? Now think of how low he's feeling. And in the midst of it all, this guy is just heaping upon him. Insult upon insult. And But David sees a glimmer of light. He sees a little light at the end of the tunnel. And he knows God enough. He knows God's mercies enough. He knows about God's grace enough. He says, though I feel very, very bad today. If somebody's in the hospital feeling very bad, if somebody's at home, if somebody's been diagnosed with very, very bad and they got symptoms in their flesh, you ought to take this to your heart. Though I feel very bad today, may God use this to bless me one day. Hallelujah. David, that great spiritual man. Thought, oh God, it may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. Hallelujah. To be able to see the blessing in the midst of affliction, it takes God. It takes revelation. Keeping our eyes on what he has done for us is even the key to healing itself. Because many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of some. Thank you. All. Not some. All. I just hold to that one word. Lord, you said all. Lord, you said all. I don't care where I am today. I might be afflicted, but you said all. I'm holding to that simple phrase. You said all. I don't care how bad it looks right now, Lord. You said all. I'm denying every symptom that I've got because you said all. I reject every thought of the devil because you said it, Lord. I reject every doubt because you said it. I reject every fear because you said it. I reject all things except the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the, I read this quote uh, last time I preached, but I, I just want to read it again. Improving his word. Brother Brown says, Abraham didn't stagger anywhere at all of unbelief. He believed that God was able to perform that which he had promised. Do you believe God's able? Amen. All right, you must be children of Abraham. That God would prove his word no matter how long it took. That was God, and that was God in Abraham. For he knowed that God proved all of his words to be so. If his children will only take his word so he can prove it by you, that's the only way he can prove the word. He doesn't prove it by unbelievers. They can't be proved. They are unbelievers. But it's not to unbelievers. It's not for unbelievers. It's to him that believes. If he can find somebody who will believe his word, he'll prove his word by you. Sometimes sickness and things happen to us that way that God can prove himself. Do you remember the blind man that Jesus found? They said, who sinned, he or his father or his mother? He said, in this case, neither. But that the works of God might be made known. Amen? We know that scripture? I think it's John chapter 11. He says, see, it happened to the boy so that Jesus could be glorified. Why was the man born blind? You know, in a human thinking, we would argue with God. It's not fair. He had to go through his life being blind. And you allowed him to be blind. And why did you allow that? Look at all that he's missed out. My, he's deprived. 
He, he's missed out on so many things. He was born blind that God would be glorified. He was born blind so Jesus could manifest who he was. Amen? So that God could prove his word. That's the reality of the scripture. You go read it when you go home. And there in the midst of all of that, he, he, he comes, he receives his healing. And of course, the natural response is that he worships Jesus. Now here's a man that's, that's grown up. He's of age. I don't know what of age means in, in Israel. Do you know what that age is? 18 maybe. We'll say 18 in our, in our culture. Maybe 20, 21. I don't know. But his parents says he's of age. Ask him what happened. And so, so there he is. And he, he's, he's testifying. He, when, when he got healed and he found Jesus, because he had never seen him, because Jesus anointed his eyes and told him, told him to go wash, and, and now he's looking for Jesus, and Jesus reveals himself to him. He worships Jesus. He never says, why? Hello? He never drops into that and says, how come this had to happen to me? No, the Bible says he worshiped. He fell at the feet of Jesus, and he worshiped. Oh God, you have set me free. You are my God. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the one that has loosed me from so much now. I'll serve you the rest of my life. It doesn't matter what I went through. And we've all gone through things. That doesn't matter when we come to Him. Amen. Amen. When we come to Him, it's totally different. He says, see, in this case, see, it happened to the boy so Jesus could be glorified. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes sickness is not a curse. It's a blessing. That we can stick our faith out there and call those things which are not as though they were. There's a child of Abraham. Sometimes God allows you to go through something so that you can call something that doesn't exist as though it does. Hallelujah. By His stripes I'm healed. I'm healed according to His Word. I'm claiming the promise. I'm rejecting my feelings. How's it feel tomorrow? Feels twice as bad tomorrow. Feels twice as bad the day after. It doesn't matter. It's more of a miracle today than it was yesterday. That's a child of Abraham. They got older. God promised them a child, a son through Sarah. How long was it? 25 years. He was strong. Grew stronger. Giving praise to God. Being strong in faith. Amen. Amen. God said so. And he'll prove it so if you'll just not weaken under the test. Amen. The time of the full blessing. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, withhold not good from them to whom it is due. When it is in the power of your hand to do it. It's in the power of God's hand to do it. If God said that through Solomon in Proverbs, God believes that. I'll read it again. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due. When it is in the power of thine hand to do it. In Psalms 84, David says it this way. For a day... In thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. 
For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, He says, Blessed is the man that trusts in Him. Hallelujah. Blessed is the... Are you trusting in Him? Blessed is the man that trusts in Him. Now, when Israel was coming out of Egypt, and I mentioned that already in the 12 spies, when they came to Kadesh Barnea, after a few days in the wilderness, and there they sent the spies over, there were only a few days journey from entering into the promise, the full promise of what God had made Abraham. But the problem was that they were not following the leading of the Spirit. Okay? That's why I said last time, I said, leadership is by vision. Following is by sensitivity. They weren't sensitive enough to what the Holy Spirit was leading. Many times people, we've prayed with people, I'm sure Brother John has, Brother Tom, other brothers have prayed with people, come to the front, say, I need the leadership of God. In my life for a certain situation. And my response always to a, a request like that is always. He's leading. We need to pray that you'll be a good follower. He is leading. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. It, it's never in doubt. And so, Brother Branham says in in 1961, he said, these people was only eight or ten days away from the full promise of God if they would have followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. They heard the report, two sides to it, but which way was the Spirit leading? The Holy Spirit always is leading. We just need to be good followers. He has a purpose in our lives. We just have to realize it's His purpose, not our purpose. His eye is always on the elect. He appoints their footsteps, even if He only appoints one footstep at a time. He might not show you any more than just to take one step. I say, just take that step. Say, well, what about the next step? Don't worry about the next step. Just take the one that He showed you to take. Say, well, then then maybe I should... No, don't maybe. Don't maybe nothing. The bride has thus saith the Lord as she stands still. So don't take another step. Stand still until he appoints the next step. Take one step at a time. Let God lead you. Maybe he shows you a distance, but maybe he only shows you one step. But God is able to lead his children. God has led the gospel this far. We've come down to the end of the ages. And here we are now to a time where if there was a time that we ought to be going into the full blessing, this is the hour. That's why I started out by saying this message has never been negative to me. This message has always been access to the full blessing. See, Israel lived for 40 years or dwelled for 40 years in the wilderness. They wandered for 40 years. They didn't have to. They were 10 days away from the full blessing. But they settled for a partial blessing. Listen, as they lived in the wilderness, their clothes didn't wear out. They had children. They raised their families. 
They planted crops. They did different things out there in the wilderness. God gave them water from the rock. God gave them manna from heaven. Whatever that God provided for them there in the wilderness, God blessed them. But it wasn't the full blessing. It wasn't the full inheritance. God never promised them an inheritance in the wilderness. God promised them an inheritance between the rivers. And between the the Jordan and the Mediterranean. Between the Euphrates and Egypt. God had promised them that land through Abraham. Uh, Brother Branham says in the message, just once more, Lord. This is, I don't have time to go into this very deeply. But those of you that are studiers of the word will catch many things from here. He says, do you know what, what they did to those 40 years when they made their organization out there? Instead of going through, led by the pillar of fire, the angel of the Lord, which was Christ. Instead of going on through and following him in about 10 days, they'd have been in the full promise. But you know what? They wandered in the wilderness. They came to Kadesh Barnea, which was the judgment seat. And there, when the spies come back and talked about the land, they said, we can't do it. But Joshua and Caleb said, we're more than able to do it. For they was looking to the promise not what the circumstance was. We can't have a church tonight without having an organization. That was their idea. Well, you don't see what God said. What did they do? Did God bless them? Sure, they wandered, they married wives, etc., etc. So when all these who made this big group of organization, old fighters, that's a phrase Brother Brown says now, old fighters, it was called like God let them stay there Till every one of them died. And then he started with the new generation under the leadership of Joshua. Who believed the word. And he took them to the promised land. And then Brother Brown says, oh God, may this young generation of Pentecostals get the vision. They went on to the promised land. We ought to be where we have all kinds of the gifts of God. He says, we did speak with tongues. That's right. That's fine. Nothing against that. Moses crossed the Red Sea. The enemy was killed behind him. We appreciate that. But that's not all of it. But then he says, but there's a new generation coming on. What was he talking about? Old fighters. It was... It was Something that rises up among Christians when they, when they say, one says it's this way and another says it's that way because they lose their sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. The 12 princes in Israel that went over and came back, there was a disagreement between 10 and 2. But two of them had the leadership of the Spirit. Amen. Two of them believed the message of their hour. And they said we're more than able to do it. But when you can get rid of the factional fighting. When you can get rid of my idea, your idea. When we can get rid of, I think this and I think that. If we can get rid of those things, then God can really move. Alright? Now I'm not saying get rid of doctrine. I'm not saying get rid of the word. But what I am saying is, we have to let the Holy Spirit lead us. All right. What ha- I was thinking about Uganda today. I was thinking about how they started up baptisms again, and and how that you know we've started up a a, a church 
uh, a church building uh, program again because some brothers had been burdened for providing shelters for some of these groups that had embraced the message but had been kicked out by their denomination for embracing the message. And I asked Brother Fred for a list. I said, I want a list of every church that needs help. Every group that's come out of their denomination into the message, he sent me a list of a hundred. Did you hear what I just said? A hundred groups. Some of them as big as three and four hundred people. Anywhere from 30, 40, 50, 100, 150, 200, 300, 350 people. All kinds of different sizes, all different locations, all these kind of things. That, that people have come out to walk in the light. Mostly those, those groups would be probably Pentecostals. Under that brand, if we would say it that way. Others of them are Baptists. And Brother Stephen Abali is working amongst Baptists. Now had a meeting with 25, as I mentioned, 25 Methodist ministers. And I begin to think, you know, if God could just get rid of the barriers... Not only get rid of their barriers to receiving more light, but get rid of our barriers to what we think of them. Oh, got quiet in here all of a sudden. Well, they're just Methodists, or they're just this, or they're just that. I'll tell you what, maybe God's still got children out there that need to receive the message of the hour. And I don't say maybe, I see it a reality, especially in Africa and in different places, not only in Uganda. Because there has to come a time where the new generation, and we have to confess we are that generation. I take ownership of it because it was 1961. Brother Bram says there's a new generation raising up. That happened to be the year I was born in. I'll accept that. Not that you that were born earlier mean you're from the former generation. I'm not saying that. But, uh, you know, we have to admit we are this new generation. What did he say? That just believes the word. That just follows the word. That accepts whatever the promise of the word is. You know, in Israel... Oh, I'm out of time already. When Israel entered into... The promised land. I'll just leave the, the old fighters there. But they, they go into the promised land. And they, they go into this land. Now they go across Jordan. Brother Murphy spoke about two-thirds of the way across, to Jordan. But they went across Jordan. And they go into the land. Now God did not say, I'm just going to take you across Jordan. Crossing Jordan represented the new birth. God did not say, I'm just going to give you the new birth. There's an entire land to possess. The new birth is the only way to get there. You know, our pastor spoke a couple weeks ago. I think of our aged brother. He probably won't ever hear this service. He's, he's out in the wilderness hunting, if you can believe it, at 80, 85, 86 years old. He's out there in the wilderness. God bless him for that. May he have a wonderful time. And, and, but there he was a couple weeks ago. After all of his years of experience. After all that God has revealed to him. And he says the one thing you need to make sure of. 
is that you're born again. And how he labored on... The, he remi- actually reminded me of the Apostle John. How that at the end of his life, in his 90s, I think he was, saying, love, you must love one another. You must have love in the church. It was his main emphasis in the closing hours of his life. And how that, you know, here's our pastor. He's telling us something. You've got to cross Jordan. But the message isn't just crossing Jordan. All right. But crossing Jordan is the only way to apply the message. And so after seven years that they had been across Jordan, Caleb had not even yet possessed his mountain. They had actually been in the land for seven years when Caleb says to Joshua, give me my mountains. See, their enemies just didn't melt away from them because they crossed Jordan. Your enemies don't just melt away from you because you're born again. The battles don't just all of a sudden stop because you're born again. No, you have to put down footsteps. Israel had to go in and possess the land. They had to have the land divided. They had to conquer. They had to take the message and apply the message to every circumstance of their lives. Crossing Jordan delivered them from the wilderness. Crossing Jordan delivered them from Egypt. But crossing Jordan did not give them full possession. It gave them the message... It gave them the promise and they had to apply it in every facet of their lives. And the truth of it laid in the message. Well, I don't have time to go into it, but if you actually go through the word possessing from Genesis to Joshua, you'll find in Genesis, I think it's 17 times the word is used of possession. In Exodus, it's not used at all. The word possession is not used at all. I found that amazing. In, the, in, the, in Leviticus, it's used 19 times. In Numbers, it's used 19 times. In Joshua, I think it's 21 times. But in Deuteronomy, it's used 61 times. That was Moses laying the message down. You're going to go in and you're going to possess the land. And this is how you're going to possess it. And this is what you're going to possess. It's the book of two laws. The law of blessing and the law of cursing. And Moses just lays it out for the people. If you follow God and you possess your land and you serve God and you don't do what those people did and you don't do what those other nations did, which is the reason that the land spewed them out. And if you follow God with all your heart, you shall be blessed because that was the land of the full blessing. They were blessed in the wilderness, but there was more in their inheritance. Now God has come to the hour. You know, there was a time when we didn't have this message. The church didn't have the last day's message. They didn't have, they, they had not yet come to the time where all the mystery is finished. It had not yet come to the time where the full revelation of the atonement, and I'm closing, the full revelation of the atonement comes upon the church. But now we're here. The new birth puts us in a land of possession. The new birth puts us in a land of the revelation of the sons of God. The new birth puts us into contact with what we were always meant to be as sons and daughters of God. Not just sinners saved by grace, though we are sinners saved by grace. But now the revelation that we were written on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. He were always in his mind that every promise in the Word of God is effective. And there is a life to be lived in the Word of God in this realm. 
I'll say that again. There is a life to be lived in the word of God in this realm. You know, sometimes it might even just be something simple. Something simple. I'll say without this message, we would not have an absolute tell us that drinking is wrong. Drinking alcohol. Because denominations have all let it in. They all think it's okay. As long as you drink moderately or whatever like that. But it takes a message to tell you that will stop you from inheriting your promise. That will stop you from full possession. There had to come a message to tell us that worldly entertainments will stop us from our inheritance. Oh, now these are real simple things, Brother Tim. We're beyond that as believers. But you wouldn't have been without the message. You'd think it was okay to go to movies. You thought it was okay to go to all these worldly things and, and, and whatever else the world has got out there and all those kind of things because there's nothing hidden. You are, well, it's all grace and we just, we just serve God by grace and it doesn't matter. No, it mattered and Achan proved it when they entered into the promised land. That when God took them over and said, don't touch their goods, don't touch anything in Jericho, it all has to burn, it's all been cursed, but Achan saw the gold and the Babylonian garment. Oh, surely God's a good God. And, and, and you know, it's okay if we just have a little bit. No, God said, no, that will stop you from possessing. And when Achan took the goods and hid it, it stopped them, it gave them defeat in their next battle. See, I know that from battling the devil. If you've ever, as ministers, battled the devil, a lot of times what you got to do first is remove the, the footholds that the devil has in people's lives. Because when you remove the footholds, then the devil has no rights anymore. And if the devil has no rights, he's defeated. The devil's real. And he knows his rights. But praise God, we know our rights. Amen. Amen. Would the musicians come? The word has become fully revealed for a purpose. This message, Moses' message was not just, I'll say it again, not just get across Jordan. Read Deuteronomy. Moses' message was this how to possess the land. Your inheritance is not a physical land. Your inheritance is your rights as a son and daughter of God. And this message came to reveal to you the way to possess your rights. Let's stand together. Let's bow our heads together. I want to just sing that song, Higher Ground, Pressing on the Upward Way. And as our heads are bowed together, I just want to say tonight, if you're a son or daughter of God that has not received the full value of the blessing, I'd encourage you tonight, commit yourself to Him. Lord, I'm going to walk with you I'm going to believe you. I'm going to accept your word. And I'm going to walk in the light as you give it to me. 
Maybe there's somebody here out in the internet somewhere who want to say, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm a child of God. I want what you want for me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we see, Lord, your word in this hour becomes so illuminated. Not illuminated by way of intellect, but illuminated by way of being brought a reality. You interpret your word by bringing it to pass, Lord. You brought to pass Malachi 4. You brought to pass Luke 17. You brought to pass Revelation 3. You brought to pass all of these promises for the hour that we're living in. Revelation 10 and verse 7. And all of these things, Lord, you brought those things to pass. We weren't looking for them, but Lord, you showed us. And now, Lord, we stand in the light. And we confess, even as Brother Ken preached on Wednesday night, we will walk in the light. You have shone it and we will walk in it, oh God. We accept it as our own. We don't look at the cost. We look at the value. And Lord, we embrace it with all that's in us. And we give ourselves to you afresh tonight. We're pressing on the upward way. Lord, we're pressing on. As Paul said, I press towards the mark. I lay those things behind. Everything, every besetting sin. I lay aside everything that I thought was gain. I lay aside everything that, that I thought had any value. For one prize, the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Lord, we give our lives to you afresh. We give everything to you. May you just take your word and anchor it in the people's hearts tonight. We give it to you for your glory and honor in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Do you love him tonight? Amen. Do you love him tonight? I love him. I love being in the word. I love to fellowship with him. And, and just, I was telling the Lord today, Lord, I just love this. I just love to not have to eat, not have to sleep, not have to work, not have to do it. Just sit here in my office and just feed on the word all the time. Unfortunately, life isn't like that. <laughs> But praise God, I love it when I get a chance. Amen. I'm pressing on the upward way. I'm pressing on the upward way to heights I pay every day. Still praying that I'm onward bound. Lord bless my
next verse up for me, if you would. I love this verse. Because it speaks to the desire of my heart. I want to scale the utmost height. I'm not settling for halfway. I'm not settling for almost there. I want everything that God has. I want every ounce of faith. I want every victory. I want every place of my inheritance. You know, there was a time that Joshua told Israel, there's still much to possess. It was many years later, even after Caleb took his mountain and Joshua was getting old, he says, there still lays much to possess. Don't be slack. Don't turn to the things of the world. In other words, time has gone on. Don't slack in your resolve. You old timers, I won't look at anybody. You old timers, don't sit back and say, well, you know, my time has passed on. No, redouble your faith. I'm here to the finish. I'm here to possess every promise. I'm here to claim every victory. Even if I'm the only one in my family believing, I'm believing. I've been sent for my family. I've been sent for this church. I've been sent for this message. I have been sent to believe the promises of God. I've been sent to prove the word of God. Hallelujah. That's who I am. I want my desire, my deepest yearning is to scale the utmost height. Let's sing that together. I want to scale. What an hour to live in. The hour of the manifestation of the sons of God. That's not a hope so. That's this hour. You're living in the midst of it. All you got to say is I'm a part of it. Amen. It's happening right now. Most of the world doesn't know what's going on. But God knows what's happening. Amen. You have time for one more song? I'm kind of homesick for a country. Beulah land. Beulah land. Oh, we're not looking for this world. We're not looking to the elections coming up to fix anything. It ain't going to happen. Hey, you could, I don't care who they throw out, threw up there for uh, 
president or prime minister or premier or whatever it might be, that doesn't make no difference. I've got my eyes on another land. I got my eyes on another victory. I'm kind of homesick for that country. I'm kind of homesick for a country. And I took him and take him away. civilization these last days fade away under the corruption of mankind there's a bride that believes your word there's a people Lord that have been quickened by it the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to each and every one Lord thank you 
thank you for your grace to us. If you had not spared us, as the scripture says, we'd have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. But you left a remnant, oh God. You left a bride. You left a people that love your word. We give ourselves to you, Lord. Keep us in the days ahead. Watch over each and every one. Might be foggy out there tonight. Keep each one safe, Lord, we pray. Watch over them on the roads. And if you would, Terry, bring us together again safely Sunday morning for the one service we have on Sunday. We thank you. We love you. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We can't turn around and shake hands with one another, but we can greet one another. God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.